It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. I really do. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, where we post every single episode of Locked On Packers. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers, the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. And the why and how are particularly important as we look into these next two weeks. Not because it's important that the Packers win those games to get into the playoffs or anything like that, but because apparently Aaron Rodgers is going to play, but also because these are going to be important evaluating tool games for Green Bay. But what is not at all clear at this moment As I mentioned, Aaron Rodgers says he's going to play. So what isn't clear here is how the Packers are going to handle these last two games. Right now, it looks like they're going to treat them like games they care about. And Rodgers talked about wanting to finish the season the right way. And as long as I'm healthy, I'm going to go out there and play. And and I think he sounds to me like a guy who is trying to to work through some things, trying to trying to figure some things out because I think he expects himself to play better. I think that that he certainly is feeling the pressure that is coming down on him. There was a lot of conversation over the last few days about Aaron Rodgers and and frankly over the last few weeks and over the course of this season there's been a lot of discussion. And I have I have tried to couch a lot of the criticism that that I have offered and try and explain as best I could. I, I don't I don't want anyone to think that I am am defending Rodgers just to defend him or criticizing him just to criticize him. I do think it's important to have perspective and context. And all of this discussion about, oh well, he's being paid, you know, this and I don't care, you just have to win. Well, I mean, okay, except that there are 10 other guys on the field on offense. He doesn't play defense, and he doesn't play special teams. You have to win games as a team. It takes 40-plus on game day because basically everyone that's active is going to play in some role. They're going to be on special teams. They're going to be doing something. And everyone has to do their job or you lose. And it can be uh, uh, the 40th guy on the roster. Who makes that decisive play? We've seen special teams plays kill the Packers in big games. 
that is something that that is not on Aaron Rodgers. But then you look at throws that he's missed, those are on Aaron Rodgers. So you can understand from his perspective why he's saying, look, it's important for me to continue to build chemistry with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Equinemia St. Brown, to figure this out with Jimmy Graham if he's going to be a long-term piece on this team. And we're going to talk about a lot of this stuff over the course of today's show because we're going to be taking your questions, answering what is on your mind when it comes to the Green Bay Packers. But this Rodgers thing is particularly interesting because there might be a point where the team has to say, look, Aaron, it's just better for the team long-term if you're not out there because we can't risk you being hurt. Number one, because that would hurt our franchise. But then number two, if unfortunately something does happen, God forbid, and if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're knocking on wood right now. What is the what is the next coach of the Green Bay Packers going to think if Rodgers is coming off two straight injury-plagued years and now is coming off another injury, even if it's not serious? You know, let's just say he tweaks a hamstring or something like that, something that he can recover from, and if there were, you know, eight more weeks in the season, he'd be fine eventually. Even just that can sow more seeds of doubt in potential head coaching candidates, in potential free agents. And th- that's not something that that you want to do just from a, a team building standpoint. And so is Green Bay going to reach the point where they have to tell Aaron, we understand you're a competitor, but it's just better for you to sit and it's better for us to sit just because we want to protect you. Sometimes you have to protect really competitive players from themselves. And speaking of that, let's get to our first question. Hey, Pete, Sherry from NYC. I hope Aaron plays less golf this offseason and gets back to basics. Maybe a little mini camp with his young receivers. GM needs to shore up the offensive line and get some thumpers on defense. Looking at the glass, half full, not half empty. Packers can't play any worse than this, right? With multiple exclamation points as if to say, please tell me I'm right. Well, unfortunately, the Packers probably can play worse than this. Uh, there are other teams, I mean, they although they did lose to the Cardinals, it's hard to imagine a worse loss for this team. I, I do find it interesting, the insistence on a lot of fans saying Rodgers needs to do this in the offseason, he needs to... He needs to focus on himself. He needs to focus on his mechanics and he needs to do this and he needs to do that and he needs to fix this and he needs to fix that. Let me let me be clear about this. No one works harder or wants to be great more than Aaron Rodgers when it comes to getting better. Every offseason, he is doing something new and different to get his body right for the season. He is working on his mechanics. He is working on throwing off platform and and trying to do all of the things that you see. I've said this before. His talent is overrated. His skill is underrated. He builds himself into the thrower that we've seen. And remember in training camp, he looked great. And he's making throws and and... I really just think a lot of this comes back to faith in your system and faith in your receivers. And he trusts Devontae Adams and Geronimo Allison and Randall Cobb. And when only one and a half of those guys are healthy, 
that has a big impact on what's going on here. What what I really take issue with, and and I I I think it's important to mention Rodgers has not played his best football. I I would never argue that that's happening. I would never say no no Rodgers is turns out Rodgers is actually great. It's just everything else conspiring against him. No, he's he's missing throws that we were used to seeing him make in his sleep. But what I what I want to push back against is this notion that oh it's because he's not close with his teammates or he's not working hard enough or he's focused on state farm ads or he's playing too much golf. That that's just nonsense. It's nonsense. There are plenty of players in the NFL and around pro sports, people you work with, professionals, just because you're a professional doesn't mean you act professionally. Rodgers does. Rodgers takes this seriously. He takes it personally. And he he has a sense of history. Rodgers worked to create the, the, throw, the arm angles and the off-balance throws and the single-leg throws that Brett Favre did just because he didn't he didn't know how else to play. And he built drills around doing it so that he could do it consistently and, and recreate it and play that way and make it a skill, not just a virtuoso talent that you're born with. Rodgers does that. This idea that he needs to have some kumbaya moment with himself it, I just, I don't, it's not based in reality. Everyone has this rush to the bottom. It is not a rush to the top by any means. A rush to the bottom to number one, say, oh, Rogers is done. And number two, diagnose exactly what's wrong with him. Play body language doctor or, you know, amateur psychologist. It's like armchair psychologist mixed with Monday morning quarterback, mixed with body language doctor mixed with everyone's got an opinion. And I, I don't I'm not yelling at Sherry here, but I'm talking about an issue that exists among a lot of Packer fans who feel like and, and not just Packer fans, media people, sports media, national media, to say this Aaron Rodgers is broken and this is how he has to fix it or he can't fix it because he's just this is just who he is now. I just find it all ridiculous. It's ridiculous. All right, let's get to something that I think people are, are going to agree on a little bit more, uh, and that is Jimmy Graham. Hey, Peter, it's Phil from Green Bay, and uh, I'm just wondering why Jimmy Graham is continuing to get more playing time than the rest of the tight ends in these goal line situations, these red zone situations. Uh, is he really that much better than everybody else we have? We've seen them all make plays. Bye. Yeah, I don't have a good answer here. Uh, the Packers have done a better job with Joe Philbin deploying their tight ends and being multiple with their tight ends, getting Robert Tanyan, Big Bob on the field a little bit more. Rodgers found Lance Kendricks a couple times last game. They're using Mercedes Lewis better as a blocker. They're not asking Jimmy Graham to block as much, but Graham is still not making catches. That Roquan Smith play was a nice play, but Jimmy Graham got two hands on it. Ball is slightly behind. It's to his back shoulder, not his front shoulder. That's not a miss, okay? That's not a bad throw. It's not a perfect throw, but it's not a bad throw. It's a fine throw. It's an on-target throw. You get two hands on it, you should catch it. Jimmy Graham gets paid to make that play. And if they do, 
They're only down three with four minutes to go. Packers have timeouts. They can get a stop in the ball back with a chance to either tie or take the lead. But instead, it's an interception and the game is more or less over. I am not opposed, and this is something we'll delve into in the offseason. There is a, a nearly $4 million in dead cap on Jimmy Graham's salary if they cut him uh, for 2019. That's a $6 million difference in having him on the roster. I don't think he is washed per se. He can still run. It's the hands thing that I that I wonder about. And that was an issue at times in 2017 for Seattle as well. But in 2016, it wasn't. So it's just, I, I don't, I, the Packers have to determine if he's just washed or if he's been in some bad circumstances, he needs to get his confidence built up a little bit more. I don't know what the best situation is for him. I think for a lot of the season, he was being used incorrectly. And I felt like really, frankly, the best combination of tight ends on the field for Green Bay right now, Mercedes Lewis and, and Big Bob Tanyan. Because Lance Kendricks is not coming back. Jimmy Graham probably is, but he's got the finger injury and he's not really helping you in the passing game. So let's see what Tanyan has. And we know the value of Lewis as a blocker. It's something that I've been talking about since before the season started. And for some reason, Green Bay has just not wanted to put him out there. I don't get that. I don't understand it. And I think it's one of the big mistakes of this offense for the Packers. It's been a mistake that... He has not been on the field more this season. I don't understand it. And I think tight end deployment and what this tight end group is going to look like next year is going to be an important part of how successful this offense can be because this has been a hole on this team going back to prime Jermichael Finley. And Rodgers has made it work. But we saw when Jared Cook was in his prime for the Packers and healthy, just how important that player is and you look around the league at a lot of these great offenses, the, the Patriots have struggled a lot this year without Gronk. And you see how much Travis Kelsey helps Patrick Mahomes. Nick Mullins looks like an NFL quarterback in, in large part because George Kittle is a monster. A player like that, which was supposed to be Jimmy Graham, would really make Rodgers' life easier so he doesn't have to be pinpoint perfect. That player is not Jimmy Graham. And I'd like to see if it could be Someone like Bob Tanyan. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there. Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats you can pick from. Main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. And there's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel and that's what I love about it. Experience season long wins without the season long waits. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's 
killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store all right i wanted to get to some coaching related questions here so uh we're going to take a couple of those Corey from minnesota Moving forward, is it safe to say there's no way the new head coach is going to retain Ron Zook? I'd consider special teams more woeful than the disappointment on offense. How many holding calls on fair catches and touchbacks does it take in a season to create a new to get a new special teams coach? I don't know, Corey. I don't know how Ron Zook is still the coach on this team. Uh, I understand giving him more than the one season after 2014, but that debacle in Seattle. I mean, the special teams cost Green Bay that game. You can say Mike McCarthy's play calling. You can say, you know, Aaron Rodgers' injury, and he didn't—he wasn't great. Special teams was the deal. The fake field goal and the onside kick, that cost Green Bay the game unequivocally. And the special teams hasn't gotten better. The return team has been awful. The, the coverage teams have consistently been bad. Green Bay has to get that sorted out. And I think you're right. I think the special teams has been worse than the offense. It's just that the offense is is expected to be really good. We don't expect Ron Zook's special teams to be very good. But I, I just, I don't see a world in which Ron Zook is the special teams coach of the Green Bay Packers in 2019. And, and that doesn't guarantee that special teams will be better. But it's hard for me to believe they won't be because I just don't think this team is very well coached. I think they're, they're, and I don't know how you can watch them play in the Ron Zook era and believe that they are. I mean, the team just doesn't seem to have a clue consistently. Mistakes, mental mistakes, physical mistakes. I mean, I don't. I just don't know what to say at this point, other than I can't believe he's still the coach. I mean, that's that's it's truly astounding that he is still employed in Green Bay. Given, you know, Winston Moss can just tweet something and be gone, and yet a team every week can have critical mistakes and give up crucial plays or hurt themselves with crucial plays. And, and this guy is, is still one of the coaches in green Bay. I, I won't pretend to understand it. Here's another one. Hey, Peter. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Sean D from Illinois. Again, I would really appreciate if you should, if you could shed some light on my question, how can the Packers attempt to hire Josh McDaniels? If he's under contract with the Patriots, wouldn't they just block him like every other team does in the offseason? Same goes for any coach under contract. Thanks. Two things here, and, and it, it brings up a good opportunity to discuss part of the offseason that I think is important and, and sometimes can be forgotten in some of these discussions. So Josh McDaniels is an offensive coordinator. And if he were a quarterback coach, so like John DeFilippo last year, if he were going to interview... For an offensive coordinator position, Doug Peterson in Minnesota could have said, no, John, you can't interview. 
he can block that interview process because he's not, he's just going to be a coordinator, not a head coach. But under the rules for NFL coaches, you can't block a position coach or a coordinator from interviewing to be a head coach. So being an offensive coordinator does not preclude the Packers from hiring as their head coach or from interviewing him as their head coach. But, and this is important now, if Green Bay hires a non-offense head coach, a defensive head coach, for example, or a special teams coach, Dave Taub, Vic Fangio, these are names that are out there. There is this idea that Green Bay can hire some hotshot offensive coordinator to come in and give Rodgers something to think about. Well, the problem with that is, unless you're hiring a fired offensive coordinator, you're not just going to poach an OC if they're under contract. That's not a thing. And you don't necessarily have a guarantee that the position coach you want to hire, let's usually a quarterback coach, but it could be an offensive line coach, a receivers coach, a running backs coach. Let's say last year the Packers, instead of bringing in Joe Philbin, they hire Eric Bianini. They could have done that because last year he was a running backs coach when Matt Nagy was the OC. But Andy Reid could have said, sorry, Eric, you can't interview in Green Bay. So there is nothing that guarantees Green Bay is going to get any sort of hotshot young OC if they hire a non-offensive coach as their head coach. In fact, they probably won't unless you're interested in someone like Adam Gase, who's a head coach in Miami, who might be fired at the end of the year. He could be an offensive coordinator. John DiFilippo, obviously unemployed. He can be hired as offensive coordinator. But what you're not going to get for sure, there's no guarantee now because teams can block you, is a Zach Taylor, for example, the quarterback's coach for the Rams. He's a hot name as a, as a future OC and as a future head coach, frankly. There are Green Bay ties. He was the OC under Joe Philbin in Miami, but also worked for Sean McVay. And so there's this like idea, and I think there's it, rightly that you know he could, he could provide some sort of translation He's also the same age as Aaron Rodgers. So maybe there would be, you know, sort of a, a shorthand and, you know, a, a not, there's not a language issue and he could get to Aaron Rodgers. Okay, maybe. But Sean McVay could say, sorry, Zach, I'm not letting you do that. You're too important to what we're doing here in Los Angeles. I need you. In fact, I'm going to make you offensive coordinator or whatever it is. What makes this tricky is that that lack of knowledge that you can guarantee the candidates you want. If what you want is a new offensive approach and a new offensive coach and a new offensive mindset, what you have to do then is make that guy your head coach. And if it's Lincoln Riley or Josh McDaniels or Eric Bianimi or whomever, that's got to be the move because you're, there's not a guarantee that you can get that coordinator to come be your OC unless you're content with it being John DeFilippo. And maybe you can get, you know, a Vic Fangio to say, John, I really like your offense and it was tough to play against the Vikings 
and, and it was tough to play against the Eagles, and we think you're a good coach, so come be my OC. Now, again, the problem with that, as we've discussed on this podcast many times, is in a year or two, if what you want to happen happens, and that is the team is really good and has success, he's getting poached. He's going to go be a head coach. So if what you want is a new, innovative offense, then hire the coach who is going to implement that from the top down. This episode is brought to you by Shell. College football is best enjoyed at home. You know, the home that has no rooms because it's a stadium of 70,000 screaming fans. But wherever you are, ESPN and Shell can take your fandom further with savings up to 15 cents per gallon for Fuel Rewards members at Shell. Welcome home, football fans. Terms and conditions apply. See FuelRewards.com slash FuelYourFandom for details. Shell is an official sponsor of ESPN College Football. ESPN, the ESPN logo, and ESPN College Football are registered trademarks of ESPN Incorporated. This episode is brought to you by Philips One by Sonicare. One-up your brushing with Philips One. This one is the ideal one for those who are still using an old-school manual toothbrush. To all those people, it's time to take your brushing one level up. The solution is a simple one. It's the perfect timing one. It's the long-lasting battery-powered or USB rechargeable one. That comes in multiple colors to match you one. The one with a subscription that delivers new brush heads for just $5. Your teeth deserve this one. Philips One by Sonicare. One up your brushing. Learn more at philips.com slash one. That's P-H-I-L-I-P-S dot com slash O-N-E. I want to end on this one. Hey, Peter, Bill from Seattle here. Love the show. A lot of talk about using a first-round pick for an edge rusher, but how about some love for our offensive line? I'm biased as a former O-lineman, but I believe the offensive line is the single most impactful position group in an offense, and hearing you, your discussion of Bell versus McCray makes me think guard is a big position of need for us. Would love to hear your take. Thanks. So this is something that I discussed on Twitter the other day, and I'm, I'm glad Bill brought it up. Our friend Chris Trapasso, friend of the podcast, posted a mock draft for CBS Sports in which the Packers do not take a safety or an edge rusher in the first round. And I suggested that that would make some Packer fans upset. And what he he did instead was have the Packers take an offensive lineman with their first pick, a tackle who could either play tackle or guard, and a tight end. And my thought on this was the theory that I liked was saying... Let's not reach for an edge rusher for the Packers. There's probably going to be a good edge rusher at 12, a very good one. And if there is, there's a good chance Green Bay is going to take that player. Especially given the the lack of continuity potentially with Clay Matthews, with Nick Perry. We don't know if there's going to be any sort of continuity with the Packers. And so what you need is talent. And serious talent. And if you want major pass rush talent, you have to take one in the first round. That's pretty much what the history of the league says. But given that this is a team built around Aaron Rodgers and a team that has invested heavily in the defense over the last few years, in some ways at the expense of the offense, because Green Bay has not filled some of these key offensive lineman holes. They have relied on late round picks to play key snaps for as much talent as I think 
you know, Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and EQ have their day three picks. There is not major pedigree on this offense in the way that there used to be. You go back to some of those early days, that, that whole offense was loaded with first, second, and third round picks. Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Eddie Lacy, Aaron Rodgers, Brian Bulaga. It was loaded with high pedigree players. It's not anymore. And so why not reload some of this offensive talent with high picks? I think there is a universe in which the Packers say, we're going to take an offensive lineman at 12. Now, I would say a tackle rather than a guard. I just don't think you take a guard high. And maybe this is the year you take the tackle and slide Brian Bulaga in to guard. And then at 32, you have the option to take a player who's falling. You take the best player available, the player that helps your team the most. Because what this team needs is just a few more good players. And if a player is falling into the 20s that you want to go up and get from 32, 32 plus 43 or 44, whatever whatever the, the number is going to be, it's going to be a low 40s number, move up and get that guy. That's what that extra pick can be for you. That has a lot of value. You're not going to get up into the top eight. 12, let's say, plus that low 30s pick, 30, 31, 32, it's probably going to be somewhere in there. It's only going to get you a spot or two up. You're going to have to give up too much to get into that ultra ultra upper echelon tier in all likelihood. And so unless, you know, Nick Bosa inexplicably falls, and just let's put that to rest, he's not falling, then you, you take, then you stand pat and you take the players there. You don't have to reach because you have these multiple high picks. You have three picks in the top 45. You don't have to reach because you're going to get opportunities. A lot of Packer fans wanted Harold Landry with their first pick. Well, if they have 32 and something in the low 40s, a guy of that caliber could be there. This is a deeper edge pass rusher class than there was last year. And so Green Bay is going to have multiple opportunities to draft that edge player. So they don't have to do it at 12. You get a a blue chip offensive lineman and then a a near blue chip or a red chip edge rusher. That's a pretty good deal. And if, if you're doing it with good value where you're not reaching on players, that's important too. This offensive line needs to be upgraded. We don't know that it has to take place in the draft. They can, they can sign some players. There are some, you know, just, just solid dudes out there, James Carpenter, Mike Upati. There are some guys out there that can be upgrades over Byron Bell and, and Justin McCray. It might be Lucas Patrick. They might be confident in him. They, they really like his talent. This is obviously where Cole Madison has to come into play. Is he going to be a part of this team moving forward? And what are they going to do with Brian Bulaga? These are all questions this team has to answer, but I don't think it's it's wrong to think that they could use a high pick on an offensive lineman and maybe they do a similar situation to what the Saints did uh, two years ago when they drafted Marshawn Lattimore and Ryan Ramchuk. you get that field tilting defensive player you get that stabilizing offensive lineman and now all of a sudden you're back to being an 11 win football team and you're competing in the NFC the Saints could win the Super Bowl a year after doing that so That's a model worth following if you're the Green Bay Packers. We'll be back tomorrow for Crossover Wednesday. We do have to talk a little bit about the Jets. Uh, I know. I'm sorry. 
Uh, but I, I still think it's going to be an entertaining conversation. Sam Darnold, a lot to talk about there. We still don't know Aaron Rodgers versus Deshaun Kaiser right now. The betting lines reflect probably Deshaun Kaiser. That's what they're thinking. So we're going to know more when we have that discussion tomorrow. We'll get to that. Uh, and we'll get to more of your questions as this week progresses. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the show on iTunes, leave us a review, let other people know why you're listening to Locked on Packers, why you like it. Anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that at 920-341-3775 so you can always stay Locked on Packers. <laughs>